Hello podcast listeners, this is Travis with a friendly content warning before the episode. Today we'll be discussing the short story collection You Can't Keep a Good Woman Down by Alice Walker. This is a short story collection that does depict and feature violence against women and sexual violence, in addition to some discussions about abortion and depictions of that, though kind of indirect, but still it's in there, and also featuring, I would say, the most erotic, even pornographic content we've covered on the episodes or on these book clubs so far. If any of that content might be off-putting to you, then as always, we'd recommend skipping this episode or at least doing a cursory search online about the book, maybe reading a bit more about it before listening in. For our content warnings, as a reminder, we don't do timestamps or anything because the discussion is far-ranging and we jump in and out of different stories, so we really can't provide that, just a blanket warning for the entire episode on those themes and topics I mentioned before. As always, we do hope you give it a chance and read along with us and listen to the episode. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host, Amanda. Hey, Amanda, welcome back. Hello. To our wonderful listeners, of course, this will be a seamless transition, but for us, we've taken a bit of a break from recording, so coming in hot and fresh for this one. (laughs) Hope we have our sea legs under us here. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll find out shortly. You're listening to the episode today that it will be a book recommendation episode, the purpose of which will be to persuade you to read a book with us for the next two weeks. So if you're a first-time listener or just a casual listener, you're in exactly the right place because we'll be speaking very broadly and kind of briefly about a book today. If you don't know us, we are, as I mentioned, the Lightly Literary Podcast. We join every week to do a book club discussion on a book of our choosing. We have a system for that we will explain later. We have social media feeds where you should follow us. We're at Facebook and Instagram. Both are just at the Lightly Literary Podcast. And that's all one word for your, you know, Googling simplicity and pleasure. Follow us on any really any podcast platform, frankly, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Store, all the big ones, maybe Amazon. I got a spam email from them the other day, but who knows? Maybe we'll be up on Amazon. I don't know if anyone uses that as a music (laughs) platform or audio platform or what have you. And so, yeah, we're up all over the place. We always appreciate recommendations and tell your friends and family, leave a review if you enjoy the show, that kind of thing. As I mentioned, today we'll be recommending a work of literature. It is a short story collection called You Can't Keep a Good Woman Down by Alice Walker. This was Amanda's pick. The way we do book picks on this show is we cover a book over two weeks, and for that book, one person, so this time it was me, gave Amanda a prompt, and then she picked the book from the prompt. So the prompt was, pick a book that you haven't read, but by an author who you already love, and this is what Amanda chose. Amanda, why don't you give us a rundown of why you chose this book? Sure. Um, I really enjoyed Alice Walker because I um, first watched the movie A Color Purple and then I read the novel and I've read the novel like two or three times and each mm. time I'm just floored by how how amazing the book is. And I've read a couple of her nonfiction works as well, some of her essays. And so I just really enjoy her writing style and I thought I'd try some of her short stories because I don't think I've read any of her short stories before. Right. Yeah, we enjoy a short story collection here. We're literary types. If if you don't know our energy or our vibe, I'd say we're, you know, like I said, it's a thoughtful book club podcast. So we, we don't do, I would say, academic work on these books or anything like that. We're not 
trained academics or at least not anymore um but we do like to be thoughtful about it (laughs) and i think short stories are fun for people like us because it gives you little snippets to think about and i enjoy the diversity of it all anyway and i think a lot to enjoy in this one without spoiling the review Mm -hmm. any other thoughts on why you picked it you just and have you ever read any of her other works nonfiction? i will say this is all fiction but it has some some real ambitions of fiction or nonfiction to it like essay ambitions yeah, she's a very thoughtful, philosophical writer, mm-hmm. um, and it shows even in her her short stories. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I'm going to briefly read from the cover just to make this official, and then we'll get into the review and recommendation. A um, couple of quotes just from the back page. It says, "These 14 provocative and often humorous stories show women oppressed but not defeated." And then later, they are modern stories about love, lust, fame, and cultural thievery, the perils of pornography, abortion, and rape, the delight of new lovers, and the rediscovery of old friends, affirmed even across self-imposed color lines. I don't. I just want to point this out really quick. We dove into this in one of the book club episodes that will be released after this one. But the back cover also notes its humor, and I just, I don't know. <laughs> there was some humor in here. I just wouldn't. That's not how I would sell this collection <laughs> to anyone. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. let's get into the segments. Our first segment on these book recommendation episodes is what we call rapid fire recommendations. Each of us is going to fill in the prompt. You should read this book if, and we're going to be pretty rapid fire or quick about it. It, and then the other person will respond, um, and we'll kind of discuss from there. Amanda, why don't you throw out your first uh, rapid-fire recommendation? Sure. You should read this book if you think Elvis was overrated. It's That story that that little joke is based on is probably the best one in the book. Well, I don't know. It was probably <laughs> the one. It, it's the first one as well, so not much of a spoiler there. But, yeah. yeah, it's really a fascinating little take on fame and how fame can affect people. It is. I think you should read this book if you have opinions about pornography. Uh, definitely. That was um, <laughs> the the discussions and stories about pornography were were the highlights for me. I actually really enjoyed those. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, my next one is um, you should read this book if you're interested in porn theory. Oh, there you go. <laughs> And it's, I would say the references can be a touch outdated at times because this was a collection I think that was finished being written in the 80s or like early 80s. And so some of the, like way early, I think the ideas hold up mostly fine, but I I will say there's some sexual openness. I I don't know, but then there's the 60s too. I mean, the 60s were kind of that as well. So anyway, I don't know. I responded in a complicated way, but it's all worth exploring. It's all pretty good. Yeah. And we also, I should say this just because our back and forth there, we don't read these in advance. We prepare them on our own. So (laughs) that should tell you a pretty, if we both came up with that independent of one another, it should tell you something about where our discussions went. Uh, You should read this book if you know who (laughs) Ida B. Wells, Tracy A. Gardner, and Kathleen Berry are or were, because some of them may have passed. Yep. Um, again, she's she's a philosopher, um, Alice Walker. So of course she's going to bring philosophy and other philosophers into it. So mm-hmm. interesting, interesting theories. Um, I said you should read this book if fracturing interpersonal relationships hold an interest. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Concise it, and it runs the gamut. I mean, a lot of them are. Um, sexual or sort of personal relationship type relationships, but there's some friendship ones in there too that are worth exploring. So many kinds mm-hmm. of fractures, many kinds. I put, you should read this yep. book if you care about the strife of writers, of a writer's life. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, that's a great one. That is definitely a theme that carries over several stories. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I said you should read this book if you're into identity discussions. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think all of them do that mm-hmm. in pretty... And especially, I mean, the racial racial issues coming off of the 60s show up pretty dominant in the 70s, of course, show up pretty dominantly in this one. But I, yeah, there's plenty of identity being thrown about. There's marriage, things within marriage. There's women's women's kind of liberation issues or rights issues. I don't know. Yeah, lots to, lots you could go from there to, or how you could interpret that. I put that you should read this mm-hmm. book if you're interested in the civil rights movement of the 60s and 50s and 70s and now <laughs> i don't know i don't know if that's over whatever um but then specifically the black power movement which is kind of like a you know subsect of that yeah that's definitely um especially in the latter half of the collection mm-hmm. as a major um setting actually for those stories as well mm-hmm. and i said you should read this book if you need affirmation as an artist um or if you need affirmation with the mantra that life must be lived. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to, I don't even want to really interpret it or respond to it. I'm just going to leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even in a negative way. I just think we should. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think you should. And then my final rapid fire recommendation. Uh, this is, I, I should have written, written, uh, written rather more fun ones. This is like my only fun one, but I think it's true. Uh, you should read this book if you love, but don't always love sex and having it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sex is like a huge aspect of a lot of these stories, but in like, mm-hmm. in terms of intimacy and knowledge of identity as well, it's, that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not always something worth loving. The old uh, love yep. making, <laughs> as the collection makes clear. <laughs> let's move on now to something a little more in depth. We got a few more segments to try and convince you. Uh, let's start with reading similes or go to reading similes. These are going to be longer comparisons where we compare reading this book to something else. I'm going to start with mine, Amanda. I'm pulling rank, though I don't yeah, know we're co-hosts, so I guess you it. can't really pull rank. But I'm going to pull imaginary <laughs> rank because mine is really terrible, but also fine. Wow. But it's like I the more I read it, it's this is the kind of analogy where the everything literal about it makes no sense. But then that's, you know, you have to think a little, <laughs> you got to give some creative breadth to it or width to it. I put that I thought reading this collection is like moving from one Marvel comic book movie to another. Just in that there's a real through line of competence and craft. So if you can just get on board with one of them, even if that story doesn't move you or even if the plot of it or something with within it doesn't click fully, you can kind of just thoughtlessly flow on to the next one and you probably won't be disappointed i think you'll just kind of be content to experience the next you know stories ideas themes and kind of see what she has to say and i i didn't even mean to say thoughtless there in terms of these don't require deep thinking because i think they're well written and thoughtful and everything but just in that you don't you don't have to question if she's gonna you know do something profoundly different i think there's a couple daring maybe narrative moves in here but really it's just the same wavelength or at least that's that's where the compare coming in and so yeah i just I, the stylistic seams of this are pretty much the same and they don't really burst anywhere so i think if you can if you enjoy one you'll enjoy them all or at least you know get along if that makes sense 
That does make sense. Yeah. And I think also like thematically they tied it together really well, which the Marvel movies yeah. all have. They do. Yeah. And I don't think these have Same anything idea, to do yeah. with the Marvel films in any literal sense, <laughs> more just in terms of the um, stylistic <laughs> cohesion or something with that, that franchise is grafted, you know, or has crafted, grafted onto itself, I guess. How about for your simile, Amanda? Um, mine is reading. This is like enjoying the neighborhood ice cream truck. There are always the same flavors, but each time it's just as refreshing and enjoyable. So it's mm. it's a lot like, I think the feeling is a lot like your Marvel comparison where it's like yeah. you get the same elements in a lot of ways, um, but it's each story you still come to it with some like it with, with joy and with pleasure as you read it. For sure. No. And uh, the, the fact that you have so many options at those trucks, but honestly, it, to me anyway, like all the fruity ones taste the same. All the chocolatey ones are kind of the same. Again, not in a source, source of, um, or sense mm-hmm. of being bored or something, because I think her stories each have intrigue and interest in them. And again, they're well made. But it's sort of, I don't, I don't think you could ever walk away disappointed or like profoundly mo- moved in a negative way of being like, wow, that wasn't, oh my God, that wasn't my expectation at all. You kind of just know what you're getting. If you enjoy the first one, like I said, you'll probably enjoy them all. Yeah, agreed. Excellent. When was the last time you've been to a neighborhood ice cream truck? <laughs> um, last summer, actually, mm-hmm. um, the, the truck came by like twice awesome. in the entire summer. <laughs> that that's, not too, that's not so bad. They often drive it around the park I go to that I go to frequently. Uh... Yeah, you know, they know what they're doing. If they're, if they're smart, they'll go to those high dense populated areas that have a lot of kids at them. And our, the park has some pretty big playground stuff. So it, it seems like a smart venture. I, I would think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I should really bring more cash to the park is what I'm thinking because I've never once indulged. Maybe I should. <laughs> you should. It's so refreshing. Like you're, you're, it's hot. It's muggy out. It's yeah. you're outside. So you're like probably walking around. It's just, it's so refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I'll say as my last quick anecdote on these, we try not, try not to be too digressive on these, but whatever, you know, we, you got to be who you are in the end. But I, my brother at his wedding, they didn't do a wedding cake. They had a confectioner. They didn't do an ice cream truck, but they did like the high school big freezer thing, but it had all the same stuff in it. They just had like a big freezer with ice cream treats in it. That's awesome. It was I love great. That. He, very simple. You know, you can self-select. You could get seconds. You could, it was a little lighter. You know, it was a, I wouldn't say it was a party heavy wedding, but it was definitely a, a higher energy reception and stuff. And like, it was, it was definitely more of a party atmosphere than like a stately, very slow, sophisticated, you know, have dinner and go home kind of a vibe. So it made sense that they did something a little lighter, a little easier. And like, it wasn't stuffy. It, you could kind of grab and go and like keep the party moving. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, a good idea and a good memory for me. Let's move on now, though, to a scripted pitch. If you're still unsure about reading this book with us, then that's okay. we got a couple more segments left to persuade you. We've each prepared about a 200-word scripted pitch. I always go over. Amanda always goes under, so that's the duality of our natures. And we <laughs> will read them. <laughs> we'll read them for you and explain, you know, what we enjoyed about this book or what makes the collection worth reading. Amanda, why don't you take yours away first? Sure. <clears throat> 
I chose this work because I enjoyed the color purple. I hoped that this collection would be just as thoughtful, philosophical, and beautifully written, and I was definitely not disappointed. Where Walker really shines is in depicting relationships as they begin to fall apart, usually due to lack of empathy or understanding. Her protagonists are thoughtful, as in you'll get a lot of insight into their thought processes, as Walker hammers out her philosophies through her stories. While this might sometimes make the story seem more nonfiction or essay-esque, the stories ultimately work as character, era, and cultural studies. This is all done through beautifully written prose with vivid scenes and language that leave no doubt in the reader's mind that Walker is a master of fiction. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think I've never read The Color Purple, and this is really my only prolonged exposure. I think maybe I've read a short story or two in the past. And I can see you can see the literary quality shine through. I think I leave this short story collection with I, I what is in my mind the ideal feeling, which is glimpses of genius and then a couple misses for me. So I'm left thinking, I don't think this collection is some kind of masterwork, but it's a great glimpse of somebody who's clearly in control and just has a curious mind. There's just a lot of different things happening in here. And I enjoyed so much of it, like definitely the yeah. over the majority. So yeah, I could see that. Excellent. And my pitch will go as follows. At long last, we finally arrived at an author bold enough and thankfully skilled enough, thank God, because we've seen some others fail, (laughs) to write about (laughs) sex and sexual relationships. Not that other authors we've covered haven't tried. It's just that Alice Walker is the first author to really prioritize it and to revel in the small details and small intimacies and even the betrayals of sex. And so it is, fittingly enough, quite an intimate collection, though the stories take some wildly different approaches even to sex. And does include some rather intense and horrifying material. There is a, a story in the beginning that's kind of a grooming slash rape story and there's a kind of a lonely abortion story those come to mind still though if that material sounds too intense i'd say that at least her prose is graceful enough to pull it off whatever that can mean i think i admired that she took on those topics and and again i in my mind like was delicate about it um if such a thing can be said i guess her prose affords the empathy that the characters deserve is another way to put it a word of warning though a different word of warning than that This is a collection firmly rooted in the sociology and theories and all that of the 60s and 70s, so her mission, at least in my opinion, is not just some literary one, but also it's a bit academic, and that's a worthwhile mission. And so, of course, like social theories and ideas should inform fiction and vice versa. That all lines up with my beliefs. I think they come up maybe a bit too repeatedly and explicitly. I think some readers could be off-put by that and just think, as I often did, um, couldn't this have been an essay or something? Um... I think that they are more than made up for by literary flourishes and kind of like grounded characters, relationships worth thinking about. But it's worth mentioning that. I think that's an important aspect of at least, you know, three or four of these stories. And so, you know, you really can't get or won't get your meaningful sex without some thoughtful study as well in this collection. That's yeah, that's a great point. It's um, there. The sex scenes are just amazing like discussions actually of, Mm -hmm. of self-worth and, um, cultural identity and stuff like that. It's just, but the the actual intimacy between the two characters is also, you have that big discussion, and then you also have the the actual intimate scenes, which are just beautifully done. So yeah, yeah I think yeah. 
just just that alone is is worth a read. <laughs> As we know from thousands of years of fiction and poetry and and what else, whatever else, it the actual act itself it's just basically impossible to describe it well. It just doesn't <laughs> just never comes off, you know. Right. It's like you every author can write every every successful author can write everything up to the moment of intercourse like really really beautifully. That's where all the good prose comes from and poetry. And then it's like, well, should I describe the actual what goes on under the bedsheets now? She actually I think does that fine. I think she's smart because she is direct and quick and then allows a, a touch of poetry in there, like just a touch. It, just enough so it doesn't feel crass or like a textbook manual, <laughs> but then also just direct enough that it's mm-hmm. not indulgent and creepy uh, and very much like John Updike. An author I really like, but that man is just, it's like you do, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you're trying too hard. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But you know that creates a different effect, I suppose. Um, any other thoughts in the um, in the scripted pitch? Nope, that's it. Excellent. Let's talk final segment then, which will be the quote for clarification. We've talked around the book enough now that we actually want to give in. We uh, give in and give a quote. We've each selected one quote from this work to discuss and present, and we'll just kind of say some words on it. Amanda, I'll have you start this one for us as well. What is your quote for clarification? Sure. Mine comes from page 78. But sex together was incredibly good, like conversation with her women friends who were never abstract, rarely distant enough from nature to be critical in their appraisal of it, and whose own mechanisms for survival were hauled out in discussion for all to see. The touch of his fingers, sensitive, wise, exploring the furthest reaches of sensation, were like the tongues of women talking, questing, searching for the true place, the place which, when touched, has no choice but to respond. Um, so I chose this one because, hey, we, we talked a lot about sex, so it's, it's pretty fitting, um, but it's yeah, just yeah. so sensually written, even, so it's, it's the, the comparison between women talking versus, um, her, the, the, the protagonist's, um, sexual relationship with this guy, but the women speaking is just as sensual as the, the, what the physical touch of the man. And I just thought that that was really beautifully written. And also it's, it's Mm -hmm. pretty indicative of how she treats female relationships versus female male relationships where I won't get into it too much, but like the, the males in the books tend to be like, they, they need to be like educated in a lot of ways. Um, whereas the, Mm -hmm. the women, tend to be the ones who are um, better educated, more insightful, and more aware of uh, everything. (laughs) Just everything. (laughs) Right, right. And that and, you know, intricate knowledge of social theories of the time. You know, they have, they basically a syllabi, really, or a syllabus, rather. Mm -hmm. Yep. At least in a couple of the stories. No, it's definitely true. She she writes women really well. And men, uh, well for some of the intentions of the stories, for sure. I mean, it's not a novel, so mm-hmm. we can't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I want to hold up standards of a novel for characterization. But for these stories, I think the men, they're there to play the part they need to play, so to speak. <laughs> but yeah, right. it's it's there's a lot more interest. And that quote really shows it well, that she has a, a delicate ear for sort of not only comparing or sort of finding connections between relationships and sex and things but yeah just the way that 
kind of women relate to each other. I'm also going to pick a pretty intimate quote, though I did purposefully pull back because, yeah, we, I think we have said enough. And I guess at some point I also don't want to overplay it. It's not like every, this is not erot- erotica, like not really at all. Yeah. But it just was the first collection we have found or first thing we've touched upon that really dealt with any of this in any meaningful way. So it was just like, ah, oh, that's what jumped out. Anyway, so I pulled the quote about intimacy, but not, not nearly, I, I would say it's like not one of the sex scenes or something. Mine is from page 109 from the story Laurel. It was during our last night together that he told me about his wife. We were dancing in a local movement-oriented nightclub, what would today be called a disco. He had an endearing way of dancing, even to slow tunes, during which we clung together shamelessly. He did a sort of hop, fast or slow, depending on the music, from one foot to another, almost in time with the music, and that was dance to him. It didn't bother me at all. Our bodies easily found their own rhythms anyway, and touching alone was our reason for being on the floor. There we could make a sort of love in a dark enough corner that was not exactly grace, but was not, was definitely not acrobatics. He peered at me through the gray and blue framed glasses. I've got a wife back home. And then I'll pause there. This is a story about two people, um, interracial relationship, just a casual relationship too. It's not like they're deep in it. They're met in a summertime like activity or something. But they, you know, they want to be together and they, they're not allowed to be legal. I think they're in Georgia or something. And so I just think it's, there's so many little lines in here. And again, it's none of it's overwritten. You know, it's, we clung together shamelessly. That's such a good way to describe young people partying, basically. Young people too, I don't even mean like oh, yeah. teens. I mean like, you know, even in your 20s or whatever, it's finding your first loves or what have you. And it's there we could make a, you know, a sort of love. And it says, was not exactly grace, but was definitely not acrobatics. I think that the kind of putting those things on a spectrum and trying to find these young people and the way they're trying to physically connect and everything in this scene in this darkness and stuff it's just it's in a well-observed scene it's got enough going on to be interesting but it's not like a, like so much of her writing in here it doesn't overstay its sort of intensity if that makes sense mm-hmm. it does and um her this is an example of like the interrelationships being like really well done. Like in, in that particular story, Laurel and the, the protagonist, like the, the way that that relationship forms and lasts over the story. It's, it's just so mm-hmm. well done and intense too. Um, so yeah, I yeah. think that, Good quote. That one takes a turn, and we will not say what that is because our goal today is never to spoil. Yeah. <laughs> not on these recommendation episodes. We're just giving you. We're just here to give you a taste and trying to entice you to read along with us, which we hopefully have done. That was the mission. Amanda, I'll give you the final word before I close out. Any final thoughts on this one or ideas about it that people should know? Um, just um, it it is Alice Walker, so there's going to be um lots of of theory in it but it's i think really interesting theories one of the ideas that's introduced in there for example is um instead of feminism there's womanism which i had not heard of before so i found that really fascinating Mm -hmm. but yeah i just it's it's a great read and if you like the color purple either the movie or the book um, or both then you would like this collection for sure excellent yeah definitely very readable despite what i said in the um the scripted pitch or whatever it's it is very readable and and literary and enjoyable and just to be clear in the rapid fire recommendations i should have said this i didn't know who any of those three people were i think maybe one of them but definitely it's like when when those social theories comes up the story explains them pretty well you're not left too confused yeah. or anything that's like she engages with it clearly and you know and you've got some googleable material later if you want to so excellent which i definitely did <laughs> 
Yeah, perfect. I mean, what more could you hope for, honestly? Okay, if we were able to persuade you, then we'll see you for the next two weeks for those book club episodes. We will be splitting the book in half, so the first episode this Friday will be on the short stories 1955 through the short story fittingly named Porn, and that's about half of those <laughs> short stories, so we'll be covering that in episode one, and then the, the whole book is a fair game for the second episode, but we'll be focused on mostly the back half from there. If we did not persuade you today, well, we're sorry we didn't do our best. We always try. <laughs> like I said, we were coming cold in this one, I guess. Maybe <laughs> maybe that affected our performance <laughs> or something. I thought it was a great recommendation episode. What the heck can we do? Um, but if we weren't able to persuade you, we have other books coming up, and I'd like to tell you about them now in order. We've got our first graphic novel is next. It's called My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris, which has been pretty sumptuous so far. I'm not that deep into it, but it seems pretty special. After that, The Dark Tower of the Gunslinger by Stephen King is next, and that's the first book in that series. And then uh, after that is Field Notes from a Catastrophe, Man, Nature, and Climate Change by Elizabeth Colbert, or Colbert, unsure of the pronunciation, and that one's all in the title, so get ready for some grim reading. Amanda, any final thoughts on today's episode before we wrap it up? Uh, nope, I'm good. Excellent. Well, we'll see you for some new big book picks soon. A tough thing to finish on by saying. And until that time, until those later book picks, we'll see you between the pages. <laughs> <laughs>